Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. Disappear. Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus and all the wrong turns that you would going on to if you could. Who could work it out for your good? Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can say. Let me tell you about.
Linda's sister, Yolanda, lost her husband, Robert, this last week. So we need to keep that family in our prayers uh, for that loss. And pray for Yolanda. I say she's doing pretty good. So we continue to keep them in our hearts and prayers this week. We're going to be in the verse, let's see, chapter 47. I'm sorry, Psalm 47, verses 6 through 9. 6 through 9 on 649. <clears throat> sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For, for God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together. The people of God, of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Bless you, Lord. We thank you for, Lord, your continued guidance. And, Lord, what you teach us about your word every week, Lord, we just are so thankful that you would um, have an ear, Lord, when we cry out for you to show up and teach us, Lord, that you would come. You allow us to hear your truth. Uh, each week. We bless you for that. Thank you that we have a place to worship and give you praise. And Lord, I thank you for the reminder in your, in your word this morning that you are still Almighty God. No matter what goes on around us in this world that we live in, Lord, you are still right there on your throne all the time. And so we bless you for that assurance that you're faithful, you're trustworthy. But Lord, you are you are there for all eternity. And we, uh, we just are amazed, Lord, that you would call us to be your people. I do pray for Yolanda, and I pray, God, that you would be with that family and the loss of Robert. And we just pray, God, that you would strengthen them, that they would feel your, your peace and your comfort in this time. And that, Lord, and uh,
alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope of no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains And my orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace, so She's over me You have made me new Now life begins with you It's your endless love Pouring down on us You have made us new From my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began, oh, your grace, so. Rejoiced as though heaven had lost But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand That's when death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace so free washes over
Good morning. Well, I, um, I'm excited about the message that we have today. We've been studying in the book of John over the last several weeks, and today we're going to be in John chapter 11. If you're in the church's Bible, it's on page 1236, page 1236. And as I was singing back there, I felt like, so put you a marker there. That's where we're going to land today is chapter 11, John chapter 11, page 1236. But I kind of wanted to look at a scripture, if I can put my fingers on it really quick. Turn also to John 20 on page 1250, verse 30, and it says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That means Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that was to come, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. That you may have life in his name. In this place of... Uh, it says, and truly Jesus did many other signs. So John, the book of John, John chose to only put in seven miracles that Jesus did in the book of John. And we've been studying those miracles over the last few weeks. And today we're going to study the seventh one, which is where Jesus comes and raised Lazarus from the dead. But I want you to see the reason that we're studying and the reason that John put this particular sign in here was to tell us something. So we're going to be looking at today something beyond just the fact that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But what does he want to say to us today? And he wants to lead us to what it says right here, that you may believe, not just that Jesus is the Son of God, of God. Absolutely he is. But Jesus is the Christ. The anointed one, the Messiah. And that believing in this way, it would change who you are. That's what this is talking about. And that believing, and that word believing is an active word that means it changes who you are so that your life reflects that he is the Messiah. He is Lord. He is King of Kings. He is the great I Am. And John has been unfolding all of these places for us so that we would have an opportunity to know him in this powerful way that we might have life in him. This word life um, is a word zoe, and it means both physical 
and spiritual. It does. But it's life, not that our life would just be different and everything would work out for us better here. It's not that kind of life. It's not so that you will have everything fall as you would like for it to fall. That's not what it's talking about, that you would have life. It's talking about specifically eternal life that does begin here and goes forever. But it's life that is in Jesus. This Zoe life is a life that can only be found in him. And I think we're going to see that a little more fully today. So turn with me back to John 11, page 1236. <clears throat> and we'll start with, um, with verse 1. Well, I want to give you a little backup. I've got a lot of little places today, but I, I'm excited to share these things. If you look just a few verses up in uh, chapter 10, verse 40... It says, and he, Jesus, went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. All right, so this is where Jesus is. I looked this up a little bit to understand it a little more fully. It is about a day's journey away from Bethany. And it's about 20 or 30 miles. So I guess in those days, in, in a day, they could walk 20 or 30 miles. I'm not sure how we would all do with that. But that's what I understand. So what we want to remember is that Jesus is beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, let's start here in verse 1 of chapter 11. And now a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So there were actually these this small family of two sisters and a brother living together, and they were good friends of Jesus. And he loved them. And it says right here that they, uh, he got sick. I don't know what he had, doesn't tell us, but he got sick. And so the sisters have sent word, they've sent a messenger over to where Jesus is beyond the Jordan, which is a day's journey, right? And they've sent a message that says, the one, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. The one you love is sick. Now this word right here, you love, is the word phileo. And this word phileo, as you remember, we've talked about this word before, it's a... Um, Intimate friendship, a strong friendship, a, a, a strong, strong, strong fit friendship. 
And so they're saying, this one that you love and that's your best friend and, and that you've cared about and that we've walked together and, and all these things, he's sick. Now, it's interesting to me because if we had sent a message today, I was thinking about this, and I would be very guilty of this. I would probably send Jesus a message that said, uh, your friend is very sick. Would you heal him in Jesus' name? Would you restore his body? Would you make him well? What I want to tell you is, what I'm saying is, they didn't really tell Jesus what to do here. <laughs> but I'm afraid we do. I'm afraid oftentimes we go beyond just recognizing that he is the Christ. He will know what to do to the very point that we go, this situation is going on, and here's how we need you to fix it. You see, that's the life I'm talking about that Zoe is not. Zoe is not the place of life where everything you want happens like you want it. But I'm afraid we pray that way sometimes. But I see Mary and Martha didn't. They just simply said, Lord, you know, we know you love him. We're trusting that you'll do whatever needs to be done here. But let's continue on. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Well, first of all, I want you to remember that this sickness has happened to his friend. So not all sickness is necessarily just for people who are non-believers. Believers, people who trust in Jesus, people who have fellowship with Jesus, people who are friends of Jesus can get sick. Is it because of sin? Some is, some isn't. We've talked about that a little bit. But I think it's important to note that sometimes we think if we are a believer, there should be no sickness in our life. And yet, these are very close friends of Jesus, and sickness has come. And it's interesting because Jesus says this sickness is not unto death. Now, we know that Lazarus dies. Hmm. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying the ultimate result will not be death. But he says something else. He says, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That God would use this sickness, God would use this place of death to glorify Jesus. And to glorify God. Now verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This word is agapeo. This word that means that it's not conditioned, it's not conditional on what the circumstances are, as Daniel likes to say that. It's not that he loves because of the condition of things. He loves. 
It's a pure love. It's a love that comes only from God. It's a love that you cannot have unless the Holy Spirit lives in you. It is agape love. And Jesus is saying right here, he loves Martha and her sister and Lazarus with this divine love. Then he says, in the next uh, verse 6 says, So when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Well, that doesn't float in our world at all, does it? That we come and we pray and we say, Jesus, such and such is going on. We need you to hop on this today and make things better, right? But it says right here, and we've got to understand this, this thought goes together. And in fact, I really don't like the word so, but I like the word therefore. So if you write in your Bibles, you might just put a little note out there. It says, therefore, some translations actually use the word yet. That's a bad translation. So if you have a translation that uses yet, you need to mark it out. Because you can go back and look at the Greek. It's not a good translation. And, um, but it changes the way that God is telling us something very important here. And it is, now read this again. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, therefore, you see, because of his love, he stayed two more days. Because of his love, he stayed two more days. Now that's really hard for us to wrap our hands around, isn't it? Your friend is sick. Why wouldn't you hurry on over there and fix things like they ought to be. But I want you to remember the most important thing you hear today is that right there. He loved Martha. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, he did what he did. And he stayed two more days. Verse 8 says, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? So they remember that in chapter 9 and chapter 10 that, uh, that they were very upset with Jesus for healing the man that was blind, and they sought to stone him. And the disciples are saying, listen, you know, we're not telling you what to do here, but, you know, these people were trying to stone you. Maybe this is not a place we should go. And I want you to see what they're acting out of. They're acting out of what? Fear. They're responding out of fear. So that now we've got this going on. And I want you to listen how Jesus answers. Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, listen, you know that God made 12 hours in the day and 12 hours in the night. That's how they saw it, 12 hours in the day. 12 hours in the night. And they saw this, that this was a place that God created it to be that way 
for his purpose. They understood that. God created the day and the night for his purpose. Remember, it was Tov. So what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, do you not know that as long as you are in God's purpose for the day and doing what God has for you to do, you will not stumble because you will be walking in the light of him, of God, of Jesus, of what God is doing. You're going to be in the light. But then he says, but if you're in the night, the fear if you're in the fear, that represents the night, the darkness. You're going to stumble. How many of you found that to be true? <laughs> oh, my goodness, I've found that to be true. When you're walking in God's purpose and you're confident in what he's doing, you're not going to stumble. And God is going to complete what Jesus is saying. He, nobody's going to hurt me. If I'm in God's purpose, whether I go back to the town or don't go back to the town or whatever, you see that's irrelevant. What's important is, is I am in God's purpose and not allowing this fear to reign. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. You see, they're still in a little bit of fear. They're saying, listen, I think he'll be all right. Let's just stay here. We don't want to cause any trouble. Verse 13 says, however, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He figures out pretty quickly they are not getting it. And he says, listen, he's not just asleep, which is kind of interesting to me because they talked of sleep as being death all the time. That was really an understanding from back with the kings and in, in early uh, Israel. You remember that would say they slept with their fathers or, the, you know. And so this was a term that was often meant death. So I think what's going on here is they just didn't want to see. And Jesus was aware that their hearts were still in this place of fear, and they didn't want to see. So he comes very plainly, and he says, Lazarus is dead. And then he says something very interesting. I want you to hang on to this. And I am glad. So Lazarus dies, his good friend dies, and the first thing Jesus says, and I'm glad. And I'm glad, here's why, for your sake, that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. So he's talking to his disciples, his apostles. They're right here. And he's saying, I, I, I'm glad that he's died for your sake. And for your sake, why? That you would believe. What is he wanting them to believe in? That's the question of the story of Lazarus. So it's, it's interesting as we go along, right here we want to know what he wants them 
to believe in, okay? That's important. It's important that he told Mary and Martha and Lazarus that they loved him, that he loved them, right? And therefore, he stayed two more days. Now he's telling the disciples, I'm so glad he died that you would believe. These are important places I want you to hold on to. Coming on to verse 16, Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Now, from the attitude that we've been talking about in this place of fear, I don't think that Thomas is manning up right here. <laughs> I think Thomas is going, fine, fine, we'll just all go and we're going to all die. Kind of the eternal pessimist, which Thomas is sometimes known to be. So I think that's what's going on. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So they go to Bethany, and they're just outside of Bethany a little ways. In fact, the next one uh, verse says, Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. So uh, Jesus and the disciples, they go. And they get there, and they find out that Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. Remember, when we see numbers, we want to know what's going on, okay? So four is creative miracles. It's a creative miracle. It's going against the natural ways. It is a creative miracle. And it says that when he got there, he found him in the tomb four days. So here's what happened. He got sick. Mary and Martha sent somebody to go tell Jesus. Took a day, right? Day one. Then Jesus and his disciples have to have a day to come back. That's going to be day two. But in between day one and day two, they waited two days. So they have day one, the messenger comes, Jesus waits two days, and then he leaves on the fourth day, right? And he gets there on the fourth day. It takes him about a day's journey, and he gets there on the fourth day. Everybody see that? All right, everybody's got it. So he's in the tomb four days. So what this is telling us is that he actually died on the first day. Because they buried people on the day that they died. And so the, when Jesus says, we're going to wait two more days, probably Lazarus was already dead at the very moment he's speaking. If not, he's dying that day. Because they put him in the grave that day. The other thing that you want to know is that it's interesting because they had a cultural understanding that when someone died, they would bury them in, the, in their tombs on the first day, but they would hang around expecting that they might wake up, they might get up, they might be okay for 
three days. So they had this, not, and I'm not saying this was a biblical understanding, this was a cultural understanding. And probably most scholars believe that the reason they had this is because people would be close to death, and you would think they were die, that they had died, but they still had some breath down in their lungs and they, their heart was still beating. They just couldn't detect that at that point in time. So sometimes people who were dead looking actually would come back to life on, and, and feel better and get well. So because of that, they usually felt like three days and you would know whether somebody would come back or not. Okay, so that's really interesting because it says he found him in the tomb four days. So he's beyond the three days, right? Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sitting in the house, was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my, mother, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So she has some faith, but she's a little, a little disgruntled with how Jesus is handling the situation because it's not how we want things to go. So she's like, if you'd been here, do we ever do Jesus that way when we're praying? If you'd have done it this way, then the bad things wouldn't have happened. Everything would have worked out like I wanted it. And that's right where Martha is. And, and so, um, and she says, but, but even though you didn't do it right, I think that if you'll ask God, He'll give you what you want. We can get Lazarus to feeling better. We'll move on. And uh, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So she is aware of the Old Testament teachings that believe that there will be a resurrection at the end of time. That the graves will open up and that the bodies will come out. She is, that's what she's believing. And she's going, I know that at the end of time, there's, my brother's going to rise just like everybody that is God's people, is of God's people. That's her belief. But Jesus wants to enlarge her understanding. So what I want you to hear, that out of, of Jesus' love for Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he's using this opportunity to enlarge their understanding. He's using the situation for his purpose, for God's purpose. So Jesus says in verse 29, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? 
Jesus says, I am the resurrection. He's saying, listen, this place where you're thinking the resurrection is coming at the end of time, he's saying, no, 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 no. You don't understand what it means to be the Christ. You don't understand the fullness of this. I am the resurrection. I am what will happen. I am what causes it to happen. I am what makes it happen. I am how come it happens. I am, I am, I am. This place of I am. Do you remember we've talked about this? This is the place where when Moses was going to talk to the children of Israel and tell them to that God has a plan for them to come out of captivity. And he says, how are they going to follow me? Who, what are they going to, who do I tell them that you are? And God says, tell them what? I am. I am. I am before time. I am after time. I am, I am before anything. And I am thing, everything. And, and I am, I am, I am, I am. That, that word just boggles my mind. Because I don't think you can even totally define it. Because to say he is beyond time, well, yes, but he's even beyond whatever that would be. He is, he is, he is, he is, I am. He always was and he always will be. And Jesus is using that understanding of who God is to say, I am the resurrection. It's not a situation. It's who he is. Do you see what I'm saying? And then the next thing he says, and the life. And this is that word Zoe. This is that word Zoe. He's saying, not only am I the resurrection, but I am the life that goes beyond what you think life even is. I am resurrection beyond what you understand. I am life beyond what you understand. I am eternal. I am forever and in Christ there is life he goes on to help them to understand help Martha to understand a little bit he says though he may die he shall live in other words he's saying it looks like death has won here but in me in, in Christ There's no death. There's life. I saw this so powerfully when my mom and dad, Kathy and my mom and dad passed several, several years ago. And we were standing there with my dad and Roger was there. And um, it seems like one of uh, my son, Ricky, was there. There was about four of us standing there. And my dad was in hospice. And his body was completely worn out, and his breath was shallow, and you could see death was coming soon. 
in the physical. And we were right there with him when he took his last breath. And this scripture came to life. Because everything I was looking at looked dead. But there's no part of me that believes he died. I believe, and maybe one day we'll study it a little more in depth on this, his body changed. But he didn't die. Because Jesus said there's no death. You see, even though, what does it say right there? Though he may die, he's talking about physically, he shall live, Zoe. It's this understanding of Zoe. And here's the thing about Zoe. It's physical and spiritual. But I thought you said he died physically. He did. But he resurrected, and we're going to see that, spiritually, in that in my dad did, and with a physical body. Let's go on. Jesus says in 26, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Right there. You can hang your hat on it. He shall never die. So people who say that we die and we wait until the resurrection, and at that point when Jesus comes back, we're going to be raised then, this does not align with Scripture. You see, Jesus says, no, you never die. You change from what looks like death into Zoe life, eternal life. Verse 27. And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ and the Son of God who is to come into the world. She's trying to put all this together, isn't she? And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews, who were with her in the house and comforting her, this is Mary, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, listen to this, she fell down at his feet. Such a difference in her response to Jesus and Martha's response. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, and I see this in such a different, a different response, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She's just lamenting and sad, and she's trusting in him, but she's bowed down. 
Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, I want to tell you, this, this right here is an interesting word. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. So I looked this up. It actually means angry. It actually means to snort like a horse when a horse is really uh, angry and upset. Jesus. This is Jesus right here. And this word troubled means to be very disturbed and to maybe even to shudder from being so intensely angry. So I was asking the Lord about that, and I said, Lord, Jesus sees these people weeping, and this is his response. You see the scripture down a couple of verses says, Jesus wept. And I've heard people say, oh, Jesus, you know, he loved Lazarus so much that he was weeping. No, no, no. That's not what's going on. That's not what's going on here. Because first of all, Jesus knows he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knows that. But here in this verse, we have to deal with this verse. He's groaned. He groaned in his spirit and he's troubled. He's very angry. What is he angry about? I believe he has he is looking at Mary and Martha weeping and these other people weeping and he sees the destruction that sin and death and the authority that they have. I was thinking about that because have you ever known someone and, and, and they did something that had strong consequences and you loved them but you were so incensed you were so angry you were so righteously angry that they had fallen into obedience of the enemy and destruction was following That you were just like, oh, I, 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 am, I didn't want you here. That's where I think Jesus is. I think he sees the consequences of sin. All sin. And the death that is the consequence for sin. And I think he's angry at the authority. Then it comes on and it says, And he said, Where have you laid him? And he said to, they said to him, Lord, come and see. And it says, Jesus wept. This word is a controlled tearing up. It's not the place of weeping like 
the same word that Mary and Martha, where they're weeping out loud and, and loudly crying. It's a very controlled place. And I see that he's going, this is, makes me so angry, and I'm so hurt for this situation because death has had an authority here. Even though he knows he's about to change it, here is what I believe. He weeps in this place because they don't understand. It's a controlled place. It's not just falling apart. But his heart is lamenting. His tears of sadness. Why? Because they don't even understand. They don't see. They don't understand. Verse 36 says, Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. You know, see, they don't understand. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. You see, there is just this tormenting place to Jesus where he's, he sees and he's groaning in his spirit at what death has, has authority to do. And his lamenting for his friends and all the people around him who don't even understand it. Ah, see, Jesus, when we don't understand... The spiritual places, I see how it, he weeps because it brings us into places of destruction. Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, you know, again correcting Jesus. I just love how <laughs> she has such a relationship that she feels she can correct him all the time. Martha, the sister of him who has died, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he's been dead four days, in case you don't know. And there's those four days again. Then Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. I love that. But because of the people who were standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I love that. This loud voice, it is a strong, powerful, authoritative voice over death. Come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. 
And many of the Jews who had come to Mary had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. So a few things I want you to to see quickly. You see that he did these things because he loved them. (laughs) We have such limited understanding of the situations that God uses in our life to enlarge our understanding, to grow spiritually in what he's trying to show us. So you think, what is he trying to show them? I want to I show you something. And the Lord began to sh- talk to me about this very early on. It's not about that Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. That's what we've always placed our emphasis on. It's not that. That's the physical. What Jesus is trying to grow them into, to expand their understanding, is that they would see that he has authority over death. And that even in three days, when everyone would say the person is dead, he still has authority. But why is that important? Because in a few days, a few days, he's going to be in the tomb. For three days... And three nights. And on the fourth day, just like Jesus came and called Lazarus out on the fourth day, Mary comes on the fourth day and the tomb is empty. But just like Mary and Martha see Lazarus on the fourth day, the disciples, Mary, people, the disciples all see Jesus on the fourth day. Jesus is trying to say, when they say, I'm dead, remember, I have authority over death. Remember what I'm showing you in this difficult situation that's going to carry you through if you would hold on to it. I don't think they understood. I think they're just like we are so many times when God is trying to spiritually awaken us and we are frustrated about the situation we're in. And so we're trying to tell Jesus what we need done when he's trying to grow us into who he is. Our prayers need to be, Lord, open my eyes. Jesus tells them to loosen the grave clothes. Do you remember when the disciples go into the tomb and Jesus, where are the grave clothes? They're all loose. They're all there. They have no authority over anything. Nothing is bound. Because Jesus 
is life. You see, I think the grave clothes are a picture of sin. I think this place where Jesus is seeing all this unfold, he knows how much bondage that we're wrapped up in and we're tied up in these places and we're bound up. And he resurrected Lazarus, but he did something else. He took off the, the clothes, the bonding, the bandages, the, the grave clothes, the the places that had him bound up. He said, lose him, that he's free from those places that we're bound to. And his death would pay the price for that. Not Lazarus' death. It's a picture of what is to come. You see, the thing about it is, Jesus had raised other people from the dead. Jairus' daughter, the widow's son. I think there's three or four that are mentioned in the Gospels. Jesus had raised other people from the dead. Why was this one John was putting in here so important? Is because it's trying to lead us to understanding the gospel story and who Jesus is and that he would, it would draw us a place to see him as the Christ, Lord. And that would bring you to believe, change your life that you would no longer be who you were. That's why John put this here. That's why John only gave us seven miracles. He said, now listen, Jesus did a lot of miracles. But these seven are to change your life. You see, I believe just as Jesus was doing and God was doing things in Martha and Mary and Lazarus' life to enlarge their understanding and to grow them spiritually. I believe he caused John. He, his Holy Spirit worked in this place that John placed only these seven in his word. Because these seven are designed to grow you and change you. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, mm -hmm. they, they became different than they were before this had happened. These are given that we would be different when we leave here today because these things have changed our lives. I went back and looked at the seven that John picked out. And I want to just share just briefly with you what I saw here. <laughs> the first one, do you remember? Jesus turned the water to wine. It was a picture of ceremonial cleansing was going to 
change from water to Jesus' blood. That you were no longer going to be cleansed by the waters, but by Jesus' blood. And the other thing I remember about that is that all who attended the wedding would drink of the wine. All those that were in the wedding would be cleansed by the blood. The second one was the nobleman's son was sick at the point of death. And he came asking Jesus to heal him. And Jesus told him to go his way, that because of his faith, he had been healed. Because the man believed because the man believed. So I believe that John started off, he said, you've got to be cleansed by the blood. But not only do you have to be cleansed by the blood, but your actions have to reflect that you believe. Then he, uh, he gave us the one about the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda. And what I saw that was so powerful about that is he told the man to arise. But if you remember, that word arise didn't mean to just get up. It meant to be spiritually awakened. So Jesus is, is helping us to understand through John's writing that you've got to be cleansed by the blood that's the only way you can be cleansed from sin. And if you are attending the wedding party, you're, you're going to be cleansed by his blood. And, and then this place of you've got to believe, but these actions of belief, your actions have to show what you believe. They have to respond to your belief. And then you have to awaken spiritually. To spiritual truth. The next one, number four, was feeding the 5,000. And this place of where Jesus multiplied the bread and the fishes is a place to help us, if you remember, that he enlarged our understanding. He filled up the Torah. The five loaves of bread reflects the Torah. And Jesus filled it up. He expanded it. He enlarged it. It, fed, it will feed everyone who comes and eats of it. And the two fishes, the Psalms and the prophets, you see, Jesus, it's all about him. And he came to fulfill these places. Number five was Jesus walks on water. And if you remember, we studied about this in this sea. It was a picture of the chaos, the destruction that was all around them. But when they brought him in the boat, when they received him in the boat, they were immediately at their destination. So in the midst of our turmoil in this world, when we receive him into our boat, we will find ourselves in the presence of God at our destination. 
And number six was the blind man from birth. And this was a picture of Jesus being able to open our eyes to be able to spiritually see. And then number seven is the raising of Lazarus. And in this place, Jesus helps us to understand he is the resurrection. And in him, there is no death. But he is also the life. In this place of being resurrected, He brings you new life, Zoe life, eternal life, divine life, a life in him. It causes us to seek after not the resurrection and not a new life. It causes us to recognize who he is and to seek after him if we understand Lazarus. Because it's not to point us to Lazarus and, oh good, Jesus fixed everything in our lives. I've actually heard that taught. That you can come and ask Jesus to resurrect your situation. That's not the story of Lazarus. The, the story of Lazarus is to point us to his death and his resurrection and find life eternal in him. I pray you see these things as powerfully as, as I was able to, to see them as, as the Lord opened my eyes to these places. I, I just marveled and, and loved them. But I pray today that you would be right where John was talking about that these things are given that you might believe and that believing you might have eternal life. If there's any place that God is working in your life and, and you would love for someone to stand with you and as you walk into these life-changing places, our elders will be in the back and, and love to pray with you. Thank you. Holy
Jesus bled and suffered for my 